Well, I'm excited to, to share with you this morning and uh, just kind of going, okay, Lord, how do we, how do, we do this? Um, I need a bigger table. <laughs> Hold on. We're figuring this all out. This is, no, this is a great table. It's, it's perfect. Uh, I have a bunch of notes, but I have no idea where we're going. Uh, or how we're going to do this. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for just your leading in this. Uh, just some things that you've been putting on my heart. Lord, I pray that, that they get released, revealed by your Spirit just the way you want them to be revealed. So Lord, have your way today. We just yield to you. Again, Holy Spirit, we yield to you this morning. Do what you want to do in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like this is a, a strong message uh, for today. And I was saying as we were just praying in the back room before, we always, we have about an hour of prayer before the service and uh, you're always welcome to join. It's, I, I point back here, it's just right behind here. And uh, we have like usually 35, 40 people back there uh, just praying and asking the Lord. I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of the locker room before we we go out and, and uh, kind of just hear the game plan of what the Lord wants to do, even for today. Uh, however, I would say that we're still in the locker room. This is not where the game is played, by the way. <laughs> the game is played out there outside the four walls. And so uh, never think that this is church. We always say, well, we're going to church. I'm like, no, we are the church. This is just Sunday morning coming together, important time, corporate time of strengthening each other in the Lord so that when we go out, we have a, a great impact in the world around us, uh, that we are a light and salt. Uh, and sometimes we need to, to strengthen each other. Sometimes we need to be that iron sharpens iron. Uh, and uh, so, so this morning, uh, I'm going to start with this. This was a, uh, this message today, I feel like, is, is really important for what we are about to head into. And so you may go, oh, I, I know this, but I actually don't think you do. Uh, yeah, so here's, let me start here. Heidi Baker, she texted this yesterday. And, uh, and we've been hearing this over and over again, a lot of prophetic words uh, about what's about to happen, uh, not just in Colorado, not just in the nation, uh, but across the world. And, uh, and I can say it's... We, so many confirmations after confirmations. But uh, Heidi Baker texted this yesterday. She said, things seem to be shifting in Nicola. And there's uh, some things they're doing over there in, in uh, Pemba and, and Nicola and, uh, in, uh, in Africa right now as they're uh, trying to reestablish things. We still need some major miracles. And then she says this, but I'm sensing that there is about to be another great and mighty outpouring, which is onto a harvest like we have never seen across the earth. We are called to ride in the chariots, hold the sword with two hands, and release all control to Jesus. He is the great, this is the greatest time to be alive ever. Get ready for the harvest. If you don't know who Heidi Baker is, I, I would say she's kind of like a, mod, a, a, a current time uh, Mother Teresa with the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, just moves in power uh, and moves in love. Uh, if you, if you want to see what love is, watch Heidi work. Watch what she does and how she moves. Uh, I've been with her in, in Africa and been with her here and, and uh, oh my goodness, uh, I just want to be like her. <laughs> she emulates Jesus in such an amazing way and has such a love for the Lord. Uh, okay, here's where we're going. Uh, if you just open your Bibles, and I know, uh, Nate, I don't know if you, if you do in the, if you can jump to, uh, start in John 15. I, I feel like I'm going to go to John 15. We're going to probably go into 1 John 3 and 4, and then we'll just go from there. Um, I, I was first seeing this when we were 
we had a 400 gathering. I spoke to it just a brief, I think briefly. I don't know, I've had so many meetings and things. I don't know where I've spoken to these things. But this is something that the Lord's just starting to stir in my heart. Just a few weeks ago, <coughs> the 400 gathering is a time where we gather together with, uh, with other churches across Colorado. And uh, it's those that are just willing to lay down their churches for the greater purpose of building the kingdom. And he's bringing 400 churches together and ministries and uh, uh, that will come together as one to see God's kingdom uh, expand across Colorado. And uh, there's some really cool things that the Lord just showed us that are going to come out of that. Uh, ultimately, well, not ultimately, I think next step after those 400 are gathered, uh, there's going to be a time of, of going into the, into the Bronco Stadium, into Empower Field, which it's called now, and, uh, and that we're going to see signs and miracles like we've never seen before. Uh, but before he reveals that, he's actually calling his body together. He's calling those to come together as one. And, uh, and he's requiring that. And in this season, more so than ever before, because of the outpouring of the spirit that he wants to do. And uh, <laughs> when he pours out his spirit, if there's not a oneness, uh, there's just so much that is lost. And so he's saying, I'm, I'm setting up I'm setting you up for success in this season. And so in John 15, this is where we were, we were starting, as we have these meetings, as, as people are driving and coming in from all over Colorado, and we actually meet right here, uh, never know where we're going to go. You come in with like 100 pastors from across the state of Colorado with no plan, and uh, it's a little scary because you're like, okay, Lord, I hope you show up. We don't have an agenda. We don't have a plan. And he shows up every time. And uh, immediately after worship, we just went into this time of, felt like the Lord just brought us into this greater understanding of abiding. And uh, so as I went to John 15, uh, I just began to see things in a little different way than I've seen them before. And so I just want to take you into this. And, uh, and ultimately, it's, I'll say this, it's we're learning how to love one another. There are two basic commands that Jesus has. You guys know what they are? They both involve love. Love God, love others, right? There's a little more to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then love your neighbors yourself. But then Jesus changes that. He says, a new command I give you, that you love as I have loved you. Uh, and... And I think the church is pretty good at the first one. We've, we've learned how to love Jesus, how to love the Father. We worship, we get in the word, we spend time in his presence. But I would say strongly that we are horrible at the second one. And I can prove it by, by just asking one quick question. How many of you have been hurt in the church? And the ones who haven't put up their hand are probably lying, or they're just... <laughs> Most, I can say, I can say this. I believe that uh, there are, of believers in Christ, most hurt actually comes inside the church by another believer. And, and, uh, and it's, there's just, there's been such pain in the church, and people have been so hurt, and yet it's the very second command and I would say it's the first command. It's they, they, don't, they go, it's really one command. We love the Lord and we love others. One is not more important than the other. They're both required. And, and I think what's happened in the church is we go, well, I love God. I'm good. And I'd like to tell you that you're not. <laughs> so this is what I was saying in the back room. You're gonna, I'm going to just kind of give you a few uppercuts, a few punches, and then I'll hug you and love you. And you'll all walk out of here with big smiles. But, um, but I, you need to catch this. Because a lot of times we think as believers that if we just love God, that, that we, that's all we need to do. And, and I would tell you that that's actually not. And it is just as important. It is that command is just as important that we love others. And if we do not love others... He says that his love is not in us. He says you cannot love God 
if you do not love, if you, if you hate your brother. The love of God is not in you. I'm going to explain this a little more. I just kind of jumped ahead. So you got the punchline there. But um, I'm going to take it to, if we just go to, let's go to verse 9. So I'm sorry, John 15, 9. There we go. And this is in the NIV, so I'm just going to read it. So it says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So there's a love that he has for us, but then I want you to catch this. He says, now remain in my love. And if he's saying that, then there's the, the option or the possibility that you're not remaining in his love. So it's not a given that you're going to remain in his love. Go ahead to the next verse there. So how do we remain in his love? Jesus is explaining this. And let me just pause here and just say, these last chapters of John, where you go, there's John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, some of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. I, I kind of go like, this is like the, the meat of the meat. It's the, it is... Romans has a lot of meat in there too. They all, the Bible's just amazing. But, but there's something about John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And it's the last hours of Jesus' life before he goes to the cross. Uh, so half of John there is really, is, is just, is those 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is, is like three hours or four hours of Jesus' life there. Um, and there's so much in there. Um, in 13, it's where he washes the feet. Uh, and then you got 14 and 15, which are just, uh, or 14 is beautiful. Um, it's, it's, he's just, he's explaining the Holy Spirit. Uh, but 15 is where he goes into the vine and the branches. And so, and I saw this as, it's interesting. He goes and they're in Jerusalem and then they cross the Kidron Valley and they go into the Garden of Gethsemane. And, um, and as they're doing this, this garden, it's a, uh, uh, it's a garden of olive trees, but a lot of times in ancient times where the olive trees are, uh, they also would plant vineyards and they'd plant them together. And so I, I believe even as, as he was explaining this and then he walks in with the disciples, he's walking in to where the, uh, to this garden that has both olive trees, but it also has these, uh, the, the vineyards and it's the grapes and you see the fruit on the vine and and, uh, and so he's explaining this, and he's like, look, I'm the, I'm the true vine. So I'm going to just jump back. So hold on here. I'm jumping around. But I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. It says, and he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. So we're going to come back to this fruit because this is an important part. He talks about the fruit at the beginning of John 15 and then later on as well. And he says, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. But that word prunes is, actually means he cleans. Uh, sometimes you think, oh, you're going to cut off the branch anyway or cut it back. But he actually it says he cleans that. That's the, that's the Greek word. And it says, so that it will be even more fruitful. And then it says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And then he says this, so remain in me. And, and catch this word. It's the remain in me, you're going to hear this a lot today, is, is remain, abide, live, dwell it's this, it's this place of not just a, a stagnant, like, and a moment in time. This is a constant remaining, abiding, living, dwelling. This is what the Father desires, that we would remain in me, it says, and I will remain in you. And then Jesus says this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. It has to remain in the vine. So this is that place of abiding. It says, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So he's, he's comparing the vine to, to Jesus, and we are the branches. We're connected to him. But this is what I want you to catch. So now as you go down to verse 9, this is how we remain in him. And I think the church has always thought, well, how do I, how do I abide? I just sit back. I spend time in his presence and that is abiding in the vine. And that's not what Jesus says. <laughs> We've missed it. Here's what he says right here. Now remain in my love. We, 
Okay, now remain, go, to, go ahead to the next verse. If you keep my commands, so here it is. This is where obedience comes in. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So how do we remain? How do we remain in the vine? <laughs> if you keep my commands, right? We got that part? Okay, so what's his commands? He has a lot of commands, right? But he really, he, he narrows it down. So go to the next verse. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Go ahead to the next verse. My command is this. So he explains it right here. He makes it very simple. Love each other as I have loved you. We say, yay, this is good. I want you to hold right here and, and just begin to soak this in because I think what we've thought of is when we say remain in, in the vine, we always say, well, I'm just going to remain in his love. I just love God. He loves me. That's not how we remain in him. That's not how he remains in us. If we stop there and we don't do this second part, love each other as I have loved you, we cannot remain in the vine. We cannot be in him. And when we're not in him, there is no fruit that is produced. And if you look at the church, if you take a snapshot of the church today, I would say that most of the church is not actually abiding in the vine. Look at the fruit. You can, it says that we will be known by our fruit. So, so go ahead and go on to the next verse here. Then he explains the ultimate love. Greater love has no one than this. And he's explaining what's about to happen to him. And he's saying, look, you're going to love as I loved. This is the love, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is not a love that the world <laughs> depicts or that the world says, oh, that's love. This is a love that is counterintuitive. It's, it goes completely against the love of this world. And it says, and go back, so if you jump back to John 13, 34, can you, I'm going to see how good you are at this. <laughs> so he says this. Jesus says this in, in just two chapters prior to that. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. So here's the command. As I have loved you, so you must. A lot of times right there we go, well, I'll love when it's appropriate or when I feel loved by them, then I'll love them back, right? This says must. There is no option here. There is, yeah, there's no option. I'll just stop there. Uh, so you must love one another. Jump to the next verse, will you? 35. So by this love, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. So this is the revealing of the Father's love for others. And, and it requires us to love with the same love of Jesus. And I believe the Lord is actually calling us into this place. We cannot do this on our own. There is no way you can love like Jesus did without the Holy Spirit. You can't. You can try and you're gonna fall flat on your face. But with the Holy Spirit, he's the one that empowers us. When, when we talk about grace, there's something, I, would, I can show you in scripture, it, there's, there's grace and there's the Holy Spirit and they're, they're pretty much the same thing. When he talks about, I lavish my grace on you, it's, he's, he's lavishes his spirit on us. You can talk about, when you talk about love, you can talk about the spirit. Uh, when he lavishes his love on us, he lavishes his spirit on us. He puts his spirit in us, and this is the very thing that empowers us. It, not thing, it's the very one that empowers us. It's part of the Godhead that's actually on the earth right now to empower us to do the very things that he commands us to do. And uh, this is where I, I, I was seeing this in the church, and I'm like, what has happened to the church that, that we have this kind of nonchalant attitude about loving others? It's a command of Jesus. 
He commands us to love. And, and I think sometimes I go, I think the commands of the government, you look at, I was thinking, like a stoplight. When you come up to a stoplight, everybody stops, right? It doesn't matter if there's cars that are uh, going the other direction or not. You stop because the light's red. And you know that there's a penalty that if, if you don't, there's a chance that you could get pulled over by a police officer and you could get a ticket. And so there's that, that fear, in a sense, that puts us in a place of obedience. Then we go, okay, I'm going to obey the law. We don't pull up to a stop. Well, some of us do maybe, but most people pull up to a stoplight and they don't go, well, there's no cars coming. <laughs> Let's just go. Um, I could point out a few people that maybe do that, but... Uh, <laughs> But for the most part, you don't justify whether you're going to obey the law or not by the condition. You, you do it by the, by the law. This is what the law says, so this is what I need to do. This is the speed limit. That's probably not a good one. Everybody, <laughs> let's go back to the <laughs> stoplights. <laughs> I'm blowing up my I, the examples here. Um, but I think sometimes we take more seriously those type of commands of the government than we do the commands of the Bible. Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is over every governmental authority on this earth. And, and so why is it that, that we take more seriously a government rule then we do the very commands of the Bible, the very commands of Jesus. And so I wanna, I wanna put this on us that this is not something where we get to choose whether we wanna do this. If we're going to walk in his love and remain in his love, this is a must. Now, is there grace? Absolutely. I, be I believe we have God's grace when we, when we falter, which we will. Every one of us, will, will, there'll be a time <laughs> where you do not love your neighbor. And, uh, and this is where his grace comes in. This is where his love comes in. But the point is, is not that we go, well, that's okay. No, it's not okay. This is where we turn towards him. We, we come in a place of repentance and we say, God, help me, strengthen me, encourage, like lift me up that I can actually love the same way you love. This has to be the very thing that's on our heart. As much as us loving the Father, he calls us to love others. So I want to put those two side by side. One is not more important than the other. They are both just as critical. And if we don't have both of those, we will not remain in his love. Let me just go on. Um, So jump to, if you just jump to the end there, uh, the last, I'm sorry, the end, which would, oh boy, my eyes are getting so good. <laughs> uh, I think, can you put it back up and then we'll just kind of go through? Uh, so that's 35, keep going. Whoops. Oh, we're way ahead, I'm sorry. Go back, would you go back to verse 15? Okay, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In the next verse, very truly I tell you, no servant is greater. Oh, you're in John 13. John 15. I'm like, wow, this sounds different. <laughs> okay, here we go. Jump back uh, two verses, will you? Nate, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Oh, who's doing it? Oh, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> He's hiding behind the computer there. So greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for, his, for, for one's friends. Okay. You're my friends if you do what I command. You're not just a friend. People go, oh, Jesus is my homeboy. Haha. <laughs> not necessarily. Uh, friendship actually comes out of when we actually abide in him, when we do his very commands then we step into a place of friendship with him. So go ahead to the next verse. Uh, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. 
we know the master's business. What is it? Love. Love one another. We go, God, what's your will? I, I hear it all the time. I don't, know, I don't know what God's will is. I'm like, real simple. Love the Lord. Love those around you. Like, if you get that, you're, you're good. <laughs> Says this, instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Okay, go to the next verse. You did not choose me. I chose you. Sounds familiar? We were just in that in, uh, in Ephesians 1. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go. And, and here's the key. This is the whole purpose of this. So in this place of loving, in this place of abiding in him, in this place of these commands of loving others, why? So that you may go and bear fruit. Not just fruit, but fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So in this place of now we're abiding, when we abide in his love, when we abide in his love, we're actually asking in his name. And everything that we ask, we will receive. Because we're actually coming out of a place of knowing his heart, his nature, his character. And he says, yes, now I call you friends. I will lavish my love on you and I will give you everything you ask in my name. Okay, so now I wanna take you back. I'm gonna just jump back to, you ready, Andrew? Go to, go to Matthew 7. So you, you catch this, that this, this place of, actually, let me just say this. Um, you don't have to go to this. I love what, what Jesus says in, in John 14, right before he goes into the vine and the branches, he says this. Uh, he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. And then he says, and my father will love him. So here's this abiding in the vine. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So here it is. And then he goes into it in John 15. But when we talk about this remaining abiding, this is it. You do the commands. You do the commands of, of Jesus. And he brings us into this place of now, now we actually abide in the vine. We actually live in him. Our life right now is in him. This isn't just talking about eternity. This is talking about right now. It's the life that we're supposed to live. It's the abundant life that we have with Jesus. And as we, as we love others, regardless of how they treat us, when we love with his love, when we, hold, when we have his love in us, and we love with that love, we live an abundant life. We live in the fullness of his plan for us. And, and so, and then there's fruit. And here's the thing. When you're a branch, you cannot produce fruit when you want to produce fruit. It's not up to you. It actually comes from the vine. There's a, um, I love the way this says it. Let me just read this in the, in the Passion Translation in John 15. It says, Here it is. Um, in verse 4, it says, You must remain in life union with me. There is a, a life union that comes out of, uh, out of abiding. And, and this is it's the source of life. So everything that we have, the fruit that comes out of our life, it comes from this life un union of abiding in him, which requires that love that he has for us and then that love that we have for others. And in that, we have this life union. He goes on to say, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I'm the sprouting vine and you're the branches. And as you live in union with me as your source, faith, fruitfulness will stream from within you. So, in that abiding, there's this fruitfulness that streams from us, but it comes from the vine. And so there's a scripture in, John, in Matthew 7, and it talks about this fruit. And I'm going to just start with verse 16. And it says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. There's, you can see there's good fruit and there's bad fruit. Uh, 
He goes, people pick grapes from thorn bushes or fig, or do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, which ties to that abiding. What are you abiding in? Are you abiding in the right vine? <laughs> Go ahead to the next one. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Sounds very familiar to John 15. He cuts the branches off that do not bear fruit, throws them into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, a lot of times we stop there, but I, I want to take you, this is all connected here. And, and uh, so jump to the next verse. So, in context with what we just read, I want you to hear this next part in, in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he referring to? He's referring to this abiding in the vine. He's referring to this love that he commands us to have for others. So the problem is, is in, the, in the church, we say, well, we just have to, we just go after the Lord. We just say, Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm, I love you, but man, I hate this guy. <laughs> this guy's a jerk over here. Uh, we've got enemies over to our left and to our right, and, and we are not loving those around us, but we're loving God. And we say, Lord, Lord, those are not the ones necessarily that are going to enter the kingdom. But here's the thing. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is that place of obedience. So I know this is not just a fun message like, ha, everybody's laughing and stuff. But this is a serious message that we need to capture and get hold of here. So go on to the next verse. It says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? These are all great things, but there's one thing that's missing. It's that abiding in him and, and then his love abiding in us, which comes from loving others. Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I want to take you from there and, and connect this now with 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. So Paul says this. So you just can't hold on to that thought there, and you're going to see something very similar right now in this. So this is the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. This is the chapter that, man, it's like, it's a great chapter on the Father's love. But capture these first few verses. Catch this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I have not love, and this is not just a love for the Father, but this is a love for others. If I do not have that love for others, the commands of Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others. If I do not have that love, I'm only a resounding gong, gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, all great things, and if I can have a faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor, and I give my body over to hardship. I don't like that translation. That's the NIV. I want you to hear. Just hold that. But this is, uh, this is the 1984 NIV, which uh, is better than the newer one. Sorry for those who have the newer one. Um, it says this, if I, if I give all I possess to the poor and I surrender my body to the flames but I have not love, I gain nothing. These are strong words. Like you've just given your whole life, you've surrendered your life, you're prophesying, you're moving mountains, you're, you're speaking in the tongues of men and of angels, you're doing all these amazing things. But God says, Jesus says this, this is my command, love one another. That's how the Father's love is going to remain in you. That's how you're going to remain in the vine. There's no other way. All the other things come out of that, and they're great things. But if you do not have those things, you do not have his love, and you do not remain in his love. And I'll go on to say, 
Actually, I'll let the Bible say it because you're going to probably think I'm nuts. <laughs> Jump over to 1 John 4, will you? Sorry, there's a lot of scripture here, um, but I felt like I, I was praying about it. I'm like, I could, I could tell you stories, and, and I want to tell you stories, but, um, but I think you need to hear the word, and, and I need to I just pray that this goes deep into our hearts. I'm going to wrap up soon here. Give me about 10 more minutes. Um, so I'm going to start just in, in chapter 3. I, I went into this. It says, how great is the love of the Father that he's lavished on us that we should be called children's of, children of God, and that is what we are. We're called to be children of God. But then, then he goes into this, and if you jump to, uh, to verse 10. Oh, sorry. There we go, 310. This is how we know who the children of God are and who... Yeah, okay, we're in the right one. The children of God are and who the children of the devil are. This is strong words, not my words. You can yell at John. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. And then he says, nor is anyone who does, who does not love their brother and their sister. So this is the, this is the, <laughs> these are hard words to, to but I, I feel like it, this needs to be spoken. We need to understand the importance of loving one another. This is not a good thought. It's not a good idea. It's a command of the king of kings. And, and I believe the church needs to step up in this season and, and begin to operate in this love for others. That it's a laid down love that goes beyond anything that we can comprehend and, and do on our own ability. We need the Holy Spirit in order to do this. Uh, Jump to the next verse. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And that, that word should is, uh, it's actually shall. <laughs> Sometimes the translations, we shall love one another. It's the same, uh, same word that says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's that word. Um, so should really is an understatement because it doesn't say, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a command. It's a shall. It's a must. Jump down, if you could, to uh, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And then jump down to verse 16, if you would. It's quiet in here. Sorry. I love you guys. <laughs> you love me too? Okay, good. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> I, I tell you these things this morning because I want us to get it now and not <laughs> when, we, when we go to heaven and we're like, well, how did I do? And Jesus is like, dude, you didn't love. <laughs> well, what do you mean? I loved you. No, 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 you didn't love others. And, and I'm like, let's, let's know this now so that we can change our ways, so that we can begin to love as we are commanded and required to do. And, and here's the cool part, is when we do this, his love remains in us. He's the one that strengthens us. This isn't a, like a command and good luck and no one can ever get there. No, he empowers us. He gives us everything we need. He lavishes his love on us so that we can do this. But we're called to do this. And this is how we're gonna change the world. We're not gonna change the world. It says that we're gonna be known by our love, this love. So I, like, if we get this, if we get hold of this and begin to love this way, we're going to be world changers. I promise you. You're going to change the world. It's going to be crazy. And at first, it's going to be like, what am I doing? This is nuts. Why would I love that guy? It doesn't matter. <laughs> do it because you're commanded to do it because the king of kings told you to do it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So we, and here's, 
<laughs> that word again, that word ought, is, not, is so understated. Um, yeah, that word ought is, that if you go, I, I was looking at the Greek on this, I think it's in my notes somewhere in here, um, but it's, it's that you are obligated to. Uh, there's an obligation, a debt, that you are, you must do this. So, look, you can look it up, but that word ought, again, is so understated. And I think it's great for the church because we're like, oh, we ought to lay down our lives. No, you must lay down your life <laughs> because he's laid down our life for us. He's, you've been paid with a price. And so now we're required to do the same thing. We're required and commanded to lay down our lives for others. That's the love that he commands us to walk in. He says, and so you must lay down your lives for your brothers and your sisters. Go to the next verse. If anyone has material possessions, so this is the part, so a lot of times we say, well, I love them. No, 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 love is actually an action. <laughs> it's not just like, well, I, I just prayed for them, so I, I love them, I'm good. No, it says, if anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So if we aren't loving those in front of us with action and deed, go ahead to the next verse. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions, and it's, in some translations it says, and in deed, and in truth. Like there is an, there is an action that's required in this. Uh, we're commanded to love others with all that we have, that we would lay down our lives. Now, I know this has been twisted as well, and, and even people have come into the church and said, well, you have to give me uh, whatever I need. If you love me, you're going you're gonna to give me whatever I need. And, and there's a side to it that says, if you don't work, this is in, in Thessalonians, it says, if you don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> so there's this other side. Like, it's not just that, uh, you know, we just keep pouring out and People just kind of suck it all in and be like, oh, I don't have to do anything. You guys have to love me. <laughs> uh, but there's another side to it. And so don't, don't, I guess, discount what the Lord is saying here based on, uh, I, I guess, the, this, how people can abuse the system in a sense. We are called to love. We are commanded to love. And we're commanded to love with action, with deed, and in truth. Uh, is there another? Go to the next verse. Let me see. Yeah, here we go. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. That's beautiful. Um, last part I want to take you to is, is in 1 John 4, starting in verse 7. And he says this. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. So here it is again. This is that, that, I feel like this is John just going, come on, guys. Dear children, dear friends, let us love one another. For this love, for love comes from God. It says that he loved us first so that we could love others. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So as we love others, it says that we are born of God and know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And then he says this is love. He defines love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us first. So he first loved us. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so he says, dear friends, since God so loved us, here's that word again, ought, we also are indebted to, we must love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. So here it is. Back to John 15, it says, if you love, if you do my command, what's my command? Love one another, you'll remain in my love. Here it is again. If we love one another, God lives in us. He dwells in us. He remains in us. His love is in us. And his love is actually made complete in us. 
there's a maturity that comes when we actually love others. It matures us, it completes the love in us. Is that cool? You guys still awake? I know this is a lot of scripture. I love you. Um, where did we end? What verse was that? 12. Um, I think you guys get the point here. I could, I could hit you with some more stuff there, but... Um, As we've been, I, the Lord's been just stirring this in my heart. We, we do this food bank on Saturdays, and uh, um, we hand out five to 10,000 pounds of food. But more importantly, we hand out the Father's love. Uh, we get to love everyone that drives into this place, and we get to just lavish them with love. And there are more tears on Saturday morning, good tears, not like, <laughs> but, but tears of just, I think it's that, like release of things that people are carrying, that they're feeling, they get to experience and feel the Father's love. There's so many that don't know his love, so many that have never known his love, or maybe those, there's some that have, have at years ago, they've, they've known him and they've walked away. And uh, on these Saturday mornings, uh, we've just, we get to pray with people and, uh, and it's been beautiful to see so many either come to him for the first time or come back to him. There's been so many healings that we've seen, amazing, miraculous healings. I could tell you for an hour of all the miraculous, crazy healings of, of things that, instantaneous healings, um, things that, I mean, just, uh, anyway, all sorts of fun stuff, very cool things. Um, but here's the thing I've been feeling as of late. There's been such a tenderness that the Lord's be, being has put in me, and, uh, and I feel like this is what he has for the church, that as I go and I'm praying for people, I'm not praying to get them saved. I'm not praying to get them healed. I'm actually their, experiencing their pain, and I feel like the Lord has been, has been putting me in that position lately, and, and it's, it's hard um, because, man, it, it, one, it just wears you out. Uh, and, uh, and as I go up and, and I'm praying for people, now I'm, I'm like, I'm crying. And before I even start to pray over them, like I'm feeling what they're feeling. And, and, uh, and then I have this love for them that goes beyond just like, a, like, oh, they just need to know Jesus. And no, I actually can feel their heart. And it comes from the Father because he feels their heart. He knows their heart. And, as, and I feel like, I, in the past, I've kind of, I'll tend to just jump in and be like, I just need to pray for them. And oh, they need healing. Like, let's just, let's get them healed. And, um, and now what the Lord, I feel like he's, he's doing is he's revealing a deeper understanding of his love for these people. And, uh, and, and this is what I feel like he wants to do with each one of us is that as we encounter people, whether they're believers sitting next to you, whether they're people that you maybe have never met before, that you actually begin to see them with the same love that the Father has for them. And I believe our hearts are gonna begin to break for people. I believe that we're gonna, like now when you're praying for someone, you're not just praying to that they just encounter Jesus' love. No, you're praying from a heart of, no, I'm not gonna let you go. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna walk out of this place without knowing his love because he loves you so much and feeling that pain that they're going through that the Lord would touch their heart, tenderize their heart and turn them, that they would, that they would have that opportunity to know this love that you've experienced. I'll just tell you a quick thing. Just yesterday, <laughs> this, uh, this, this young girl, uh, lady, um, she, she only spoke Spanish, and so, it, which made it difficult, and, uh, but I saw her, and I saw this heaviness over her, and, um, and I knew that she needed to experience the love of the Father, and uh, so I went up, and there was a, um, someone who prays with us all the time, Julia, I don't know if Julia's here, is she here, Julia? Nope. What's that? She's not here. Okay. She's awesome. And, and she speaks in Spanish as well, which is very helpful. Um, 
And so, so I was like, Julia, can you just translate? And so I just began, I, I saw her heart and just began to share what I felt like the Lord had for her. Uh, and then another guy, uh, um, Gabriel came up, who he plays the keys here, and he, he speaks in Spanish. And, and so the two were kind of translating and praying, and we were praying. And, and then I saw that uh, she had a, just a spirit of suicide over her, and she was, she was about to kill herself. And um, this young girl, she has kids, and, and, and I didn't know her situation at all, but the Lord just revealed it to me. And in that moment, there was a, such a tenderness of the Lord that things just broke, and it released, and she just began to, to just cry. And, uh, and I just begin to share with her how much Jesus loves her. And I just, I, I grabbed her face and I, I like centered it right on my eyes. And I said, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. And he would translate it, amor, 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 whatever it is. <laughs> he did it much better than I did. Uh, and you are valued. And, and all I was doing is actually my heart was becoming so tender towards her that I was feeling the very love that the Father had for her. And, and that's the thing that began to break that thing that was over her, the lie of the enemy that was over her life. And this is where I feel like we have opportunities. And as fathers and as mothers in a spiritual sense, that there are those, whether they're younger or older than us, it doesn't matter. But that, that we are called to be fathers and mothers. We are called to love those in front of us that we would, we would call them in as sons and daughters, that we would say, you're a son or daughter. And, and there are those in the church that are, in a sense, I would say, sons and daughters, that are maybe not in that place of maturity, that are struggling, that are kind of in and out, that, that we need to come alongside those and love them with the love of the Father. But, but let me say, even those, it's, it's easy to love those that love us back, right? When, when somebody loves me, I can love them, no problem. The harder part is when, when somebody curses you, when somebody comes against you, when somebody attacks you, when somebody betrays you. Can you love them? Jesus says in, in, in uh, Luke 6, he says, love your enemies. So this is a command, not a, not a, and maybe if you like, you should love your enemies. He commands us to love our enemies. And he says this, he says, um, it, it's, how does he say it? Let me just jump to it. And then we'll wrap up. Dad, can you come up? Yeah. Give my dad a hand. <laughs> this guy's amazing. <laughs> Grab that mic, will you? Um, he says this. He says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn and give them the other one. <laughs> we, we read this and we're like, yeah. But who of us is actually doing this? <laughs> like what happens? We get struck on the cheek, man. We pop them right back on the other cheek. Here's some love right back at you, right? <laughs> Amen. No, no, no. Oh, boy. You may want to sit down for another minute. <laughs> no. um, but if you love, here's, here's where, in verse 32, it says this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? It says even, even the sinners love those who, who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those who, whom you expect payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And then it says this, and you will be sons of the Most High. You want to be sons of the Most High? Love your enemies. I love in Matthew, it says it, but you know, Matthew was the tax collector. If you guys have seen The Chosen, Matthew's kind of the, the odd one. Um, I, I love that Matthew actually, he doesn't say sinners. He says even sinners do that. Matthew goes, even the tax collectors do that. 
<laughs> kind of funny that Matthew, the guy that was the tax collector, uses the tax collector as the, as the sinner. Um, okay. I think you guys get it, right? I, I want to just, for, for a moment here before we close, I just I, I want to honor this guy right here. Um, for those of you who don't know, this is, this is my dad, and, uh, and he... Uh, just an amazing man. Um, he start, what's that? Let's, I won't say too much. But I just want to say, he started this, um, he took over this church in 1988. And uh, I was in the business world, and I, I, I wanted no part of ministry. I had seen him. I grew up as a PK, and I was like, man, I will never be a pastor. Um, <laughs> if, and this never is where, say never. Yeah, right? But this is where you see, you see how the church responds to each other and the, the backstabbing and the things that happen. And, the, and man, as a pastor, I saw him just get beat up and down, just pummeled at times. And I'm like, why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> That's miserable. I like, that would just be dumb. I, I, I can be in the business world and none of that stuff happens. And uh, <laughs> sad, but true. Um, so he took over in 1988 in a little uh, church that was in, in downtown Castle Rock and, uh, and then established this place in 2006. And, uh, and just there were so many battles that he went through that uh, I feel like he, he set the groundwork, he set the, the tone for, for what now we're able to press into and what we're able to go into in this next season. Thank you. And uh, I, I... It wasn't all bad. There were some really good moments, too. But there yeah. were some bad moments. But also, I want to say, and, and there were some good and bad moments, too, as a father. Um, and that's okay. I think the point is, is that no father is perfect. We all mess up. And, and in the same way that we're spiritual fathers, in the same way that we, we love others, we're going to mess up. It's okay. There is a grace in that. But I want you to hear something. I just, uh, I pulled, my dad, he, uh, he wrote a number of letters to me as I was growing up. And, and some of them, uh, there was a little bit more of a reprimand. Uh, and so this Amen. was, he started writing these as I was in college. And then uh, as, so from about the time I was 18 to the time I was maybe 30, 32, uh, he wrote these letters to me. And, um, and I would encourage you, as fathers, write to your sons and your daughters. And it doesn't matter if you have a good relationship with them or not. Uh, I would encourage you, as sons, write to your dads, write to your moms. Like, tell them how much you love them. Uh, but this is, there's just a, a, such a power in, in a father speaking to a son. And so I, I too, I want to say, this is not just for, for biological Sons, I feel like there's so many of us that we are called to be spiritual fathers in this season. The, the Malachi 4, where it says the God is going, to, he's going to return the hearts of the fathers to the children. And then when he does that, that's going to return the heart of the children to the fathers. But it starts with the fathers. And this is what, this is what he wrote. He said, it's, it's been a while since I've written you. Uh, when you were in college in Kansas City, I would come to Black Forest and feel inspired to write you. Well, I'm down at Ponderosa Camp, and I felt the need to write you. When you were born about 34 and a half years ago, so this was, this was a number of years ago, back in 2008, um, I never in my wildest dreams expected that you would be so central to my life. We lived in California, and I was so far from my dad, both in the physical distance but also emotionally. So I never knew how having a son, what it would be like. All I can say is that I am and will ever and will eternally be grateful to you and to God that you came into my life. Through the years, you have brought me so much joy and you have made my life even in the hard times worth living. I'm gonna skip some of this, but he goes into just the, a lot of the, the memories that we had just growing up in our, in our childhood. Um, and then he says this. 
He said, I love you, or I love the fact that you have such a love for Jesus. Anyway, I'm down here at Ponderosa on the day after the election, uh, realizing how extremely fortunate and blessed I am to have you as a son. Never get down on yourself. Don't worry about your job or the economy. Whatever you do, you will always do well. So you never really have to worry. Plus, you have Jesus. <laughs> if there is ever anything I can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Thanks for being the greatest, best, most wonderful son that any dad could ever ask for. I love you more than words can express. He says, P.S. I was thinking how I am even very grateful for the struggles that we've been through. I believe it's drawn us closer to each other and Jesus. I've so enjoyed ministering with you at men's conferences and am amazed at how gifted you are. God has given you a combination of love and wisdom. And I want to say these words that were spoken over me, they go deep. They're powerful when a father speaks to a son. If you ever want to do more ministry, so <laughs> I was not in ministry. I was, I was, I'm an engineer. I was doing engineering work, doing development. And I was like, God and dad, I'm, I'm good. I'm good over here. But he, he just said, if you ever want to do more ministry at the church, <laughs> or YWAM, or whatever, let me know. I just never want to push you in any way into ministry. I look forward to having time with you soon. Love, JR. As we close, I just, I felt, I want to have my dad just pray a blessing over you guys and uh, over the fathers, uh, over the men. Uh, you can pray a blessing over the women too, but just for, for this time. So I'll tell you what, if, if just, guys, if you would stand up and uh, I just want to say this too before I pray. Um, <laughs> I never really thought that Mike would ever be a pastor because he said, I never, ever will be a pastor. And I let it go. I wasn't putting pressure. But I knew that in his heart, he had the ability to change lives. And you know what? What he just did this morning was an example of love. Now, on Saturday, he felt this incredible compassion for this woman, and God let him feel her pain. But I'll tell you, too, another aspect of love is when a person's able to speak truth because they love he spoke the truth today. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really key. And I don't, <laughs> give him a hand. <laughs> I always candy-coated my truth, <laughs> you know, and because uh, I didn't want to offend people. But real love is not afraid to offend because if it doesn't speak the truth, that person goes off the cliff into a life of destruction. And so I deeply appreciate him. I'm more proud of them today than when I wrote that letter. And I love them more than I, today than I ever have. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up. This is, I'm getting hungry. Okay, Father God, right now, we thank you and praise you that you've called us to really demonstrate the love, whether it's the compassion you put in our heart for others, whether it's bringing the truth that's hard to do lots of times because we're concerned it, we might be rejected for it, but we know it's more important that we speak that truth in love. Lord, help us to really walk in the love that the world would see that we are followers of you, Jesus, because this world needs you now more than ever before. And so, Lord, today I speak a great blessing over everyone, whether you're a spiritual father or mother, whether you're a, a birth mother or father, whether it's through adoption, whatever it might be, 
I speak great blessing over you because you are called. And even if you're a young person here, you are called to make a difference in people's lives and begin reaching out to those. And so, Lord, bless them as they go. Let them know how much you love them and let them know you've called them to greater purposes to love one another as you have loved us. That's the greatest purpose we could ever have. And let them, when they get before the Father, and he says, have you loved well? Let them be able to say yes in Jesus' name. I love you all. God bless you. Have a great, great rest of the day. Amen. Miss ministry teams. <laughs> love you. Love you. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Go and love your neighbor. Ha, ha, ha.